Aloha Matt, and we are the Yoga Couple. Welcome back to the Inner Work Podcast. In this episode, we're going to teach you how to actually manifest in a way that you might have not heard before because it's totally different from New Age Law of Attraction teachings because we're going to take you back to the first ever talked about manifestation, how to do it, which comes from ancient Hinduism from India. So where did all this manifestation stuff come from? Has it been distorted, diluted? We're going to clarify what is the whole craze of manifestation of what is saying, you know, to do so that you can manifest the life you want. And then we're going to go back to ancient Hinduism and decipher the main differences between the original teachings and hopefully get you excited because the original manifestation, in my opinion, is way easier and way more fulfilling. So uh, let's dive in. So the first main big caveat here is to clarify, uh, for those of you who have read The Inner Work and are familiar with the themes of consciousness, we are really looking at two major different areas of the spiritual journey. The genuine, authentic, yogic manifesting version we want to clarify today is more of in the realms of uh, a 5D life, meaning that you're really um, actually living a spiritual life where spiritual principles are what guide your life, such as trust in the divine, faith in the divine, um, trust in love, trust in goodness, right? So that is a very uh, high theme of consciousness and it's relative to that part of someone's journey and that is not for everybody. So to really clarify this first and foremost, that is not this, that is definitely not for everybody. One person's medicine is another person's poison. Whereas law of attraction, we would say, really targets the, the theme of consciousness of desire, which is a totally different realm of, of human uh, consciousness in the spiritual journey. It's very 3D based still. It's um, that, you know, meaning that it's very uh, pleasure based, human body based, physically based. Uh, it's about getting your, your desires, your pleasures in life. And there is actually a healthy time and place for that. And so we can't reiterate this enough that every teaching technically has its time and place. And all the different energies have time and places for what, what we each need in our journey. So the clarification of why I'm going over this is because uh, we always want to try to do our best to let you know the perspective and the context we're trying to talk about something from. So today we're going to be talking about this topic with the clarification of what does genuine liberation look like? What does genuine spiritual manifesting look like? What does genuine alignment with the divine look like? And can we clarify that from the New Age Law of Attraction mentality that is such a huge thing today? Because they are actually ridiculously different realms of the spiritual journey. They are, they're almost on polar opposite sides so uh, of the actual progression. Uh, if you look at the themes of consciousness chart, they're, they're literally almost on complete opposites uh, sides. So it is worth really clarifying and we were looking forward to looking at the differences of the two so you can really see like, oh, okay, yes, they're totally coming from different paradigms. So let's just start with the law of attraction manifestation that most people are familiar with. And then we'll head into traditional Hinduism and the first signs of manifestation in the Dharma teachings. So new age manifestation as we know it 
is called Law of Attraction. Most people are pretty familiar with The Secret. And so the teachings of The Secret and like Esther Hicks uh, or Abraham Hicks, what they're teaching is that when you change your vibration in your frequency to be a match for that which you desire, you will get what you desire. So let's say you're desiring you know, a bigger house or you're desiring to meet uh, your soulmate or you're desiring to meet um, or have like an opportunity available to you. The teaching is that you can have literally everything you want by understanding vibration and manipulating vibration. So if you can change your frequency to be on the same plane of that which you desire, then you will be a match and you will attract that which you desire because you're the same frequency. And while it's the teaching isn't directly saying, you know, be in desire and have everything you want because the focus is actually on internal change of vibration, it is indirectly putting the focus on your happiness being outside of yourself. Even though the teachings say, be happy first and then you'll get what you want. The point is, is that there is a superstition being created that if you're not in the right vibration, you're not gonna get what you want. And that the only way to get what you want is to be constantly aware of your vibration so you can attract, which then creates an indirect aversion, right? Aversion of what you don't want. Like, oh no, if I have a negative emotion, if I'm sad, now I need to be paranoid and superstitious that I'm going to push away what I want. My destiny is not going to come to me because now I'm sad. I'm in a negative vibration. And then you have this whole like spiritual ego being created where there's guilt and shame around your quote unquote negative emotions because you believe that if you're in a negative emotion, you're not going to attract what you want. It also sets into motion that your ego is kind of God. So like whatever you want, you can have and you can manipulate your vibration to attract things in the material world because like you're your own God. Mm -hmm. And I remember something that's jumping out as you say that is I remember like even in the, the secret they say like it's like the universe is your genie. It's almost like they're saying like God is, works for you. Totally. Like, Whoa. Okay. So that's, you know, on a superficial level, it sounds great. It's like, okay, that's interesting. That's cool. You get excited because you're like, wow. So if I master this technology, this manifestation law of attraction technology, I can have whatever I want. It's really enticing. It's really appealing. The thing is though, is that it's limited. And that's the part that's not being talked about. It's being prepared proposed as it's like the highest truth the end all be all that this is the highest truth master your energy and you'll have everything you want in this life that is not the highest truth it's totally on on the way it's on the journey you know understanding mm -hmm. vibration is an excellent thing to understand mm -hmm. feeling worthy of the things you want is a totally healthy stage in the develop, developmental stages of your ego persona. Mm -hmm. We have to develop our ego persona in order to transcend our ego persona. There's no, no skipping on the spiritual journey. Like it's, it's totally healthy and relevant to have a, self, a healthy sense of worthiness. I think it's very attractive to people who have experienced guilt, shame, Mm -hmm. who have experienced depression mm -hmm. because this gives you hope that you yeah. can get out of it. 
Yep. And that's exactly why the caveat in the beginning of it is a healthy time and place. And uh, again, referring to the themes of consciousness and themes, for those of you who have not read the inner work book, um, and, and our, this, this term is new to you, you're just founding us now. The themes of consciousness are, they're basically uh, behavioral patterns and patterns of thought and perspective of your life. And so when we say, when Ash was thrown out like guilt and shame, when we go through a trauma that is degrading, embarrassing, um, shaming, that we're disappointing or, or somehow something's wrong with us, so we'd call that the, the wound of shame or rejection. So that's the theme of consciousness of shame. So now because of that trauma, because of that wound, our subconscious mind now perceives our life through the lens of shame. Real quick caveat or like real quick um, example on this, just as a total tangent, for those of you who this is brand new to, when you have this wound or this theme that's operating, multiple people could have the exact same experience. Let's take a really basic one with this topic of like a stranger looks at you kind of strangely and you have a bunch of different people and different themes of consciousness go through that exact same experience all side by side all of them will perceive it differently. So using this example of like shame, the person will think, oh my gosh, they're mocking me. They're, I'm, oh, I knew I shouldn't have wore this today. I look so embarrassing. I'm stupid. They probably think I'm dumb. Why did they look at me like that? All the way up to someone else who eventually just is like, I don't know, they were, probably doesn't even notice them. Just thinks like, oh, that was weird. They like don't even, they don't even assume it's about them or they just think, well, that person maybe is having a weird day or something, right? And, and everything in between. And, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because we obviously have the book as well as a few other episodes where we definitely dive into this on a deeper level. But just for the context here, it's important to understand that, yes, to the themes below desire, this will feel freaking epic. So this is the thing with the journey. The spiritual journey is relative to where you are. The themes above will always seem really desirous or positive or good or the next best step. But if you are genuinely not at that stage and you're, it's actually beneath, that will feel like a step back. That's why our favorite saying is one person's medicine is another person's poison. So if you're genuinely striving for uh, greater levels of spiritual liberation and trust and faith and devotion and things like that, moving back into desire actually is a huge, huge pitfall. And that's what we really want to clarify because in the spiritual journey, what we're seeing is people falling into these pitfalls, not realizing that it is a pitfall. Because just because the majority of the world sees this as a huge uh, bonus and they're like, wow, this is really helpful for me, doesn't mean it's helpful for you. Because based on where you are in your journey, just like I said, that could be actually a huge setback. So Yes, 100%. The themes beneath desire that this would seem really attractive for is if they, there's a lot of wounds and shame and rejection and worthiness, feeling guilty and remorseful, like feeling a sense of like you make poor choices and you're being judged and punished, things like that. Depression, hopelessness, um, feeling like what's the point of life or grief and regret, like all you do is lose. What's the point? Again, kind of that vibe of like, uh, you know, I just regret all my choices, always lose. Fear, like what's going to happen? What, what if everything goes wrong? What if my life is, you know, I make poor choices and things suck? Okay, so those themes, getting to the law of attraction level of this, the desire, creating the life you want, having all the things you want, so, so healthy. 
that is so healthy. But now jumping back to the to what we want to go into is, but for those of us who are ready for greater levels of liberation and true freedom and lasting happiness, there comes a totally different goal. And that's what we want to kind of dive into today is we, to put it really simply, we move from focusing on indulging our ego and our desires and focusing on what we want and attracting stuff to instead surrendering our ego and trusting the divine. So law of attraction says change your vibration, you'll get you know what you want, you'll attract in the physical reality that which is in the same vibration as you. Mm-hmm. This term manifestation comes from Hinduism. The original teachings of manifestation come from Hinduism and original yoga. And the definition of these words is not the same as law of attraction. If you look at the yoga tradition and you look at the eight limbs of Raja Yoga, within the eight limbs, the first two limbs are called the yamas and then the niyamas. And these are moral adherences and internal disciplines that a yogi commits to making so that they can transcend all limitations of the ego, the body, and the mind, and become a Jiva Mukti, transcendental being like Jesus Christ, you know, totally liberated, free, able to incarnate at any time, able to, you know, go in and out of physical body, astral body, not bound by time space, not bound by ego desires, like completely transcendent, right? That's the goal of yoga, transcendence. So they have this path for transcendence. And Within the eight limbs, these adherences, they're practices for you to reach that level. And as you go through the limbs, as you master each limb one by one, there is a accompanying city or superpower. So as you master one of these yamas, which is satya, truthfulness, the city, when you master truthfulness, is that the superpower that comes with self-mastery is that what you say becomes the truth. Okay, so here's like the first uh, introduction to manifestation. The Western world takes that. Oh, what you say becomes the truth and what you say becomes reality? Great. No, the prerequisite (laughs) for this was self-mastery of... uh, truthfulness of ahimsa non-harming nature there's so many others like having the here's brahmacharya the ability to preserve your your sexual energy or your pranic energy doesn't have to be sexual the ability to charge it preserve it reserve it and use it where you want to be where you want to direct it okay combining brahmacharya and you know the ability to master your energy, and then the city of speaking the truth, now you have law of attraction. This is like not even what it originally meant. Completely taken out of context. Completely taken out of context. What it meant was becoming a master of your energy and and becoming a master of your internal world, being completely in divine truth, being in a a state of complete non-harming, and being a master of your own energy. So as you go through 
these adherences and you you purify your consciousness, you do your inner work, you release all of attachment to your ego's uh, things, whatever they are, then the reason why things become the truth of what you say, for example, using this example, this this thing we're going with right here is, it's not because your ego says it. So that's what law of attraction takes it and says, oh, wonderful. So if whatever my ego says become the truth, no, no, no. It's because you've purified yourself so much that you wouldn't say that because it's actually God's will coming through you at that point. So you're not declaring or creating anything. You are just the unfoldment of the divine will and it's just coming through us. So if you look at the tradition of Parampara in the yoga tradition, which is guru transmitting wisdom onto uh, the students through direct you know, lines of communication, or you look at Shaktipat, where there's an enlightened being who transmits you know, that frequency onto their student. They're performing miracles. They're, you know, think about like Babaji or, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda or Jesus Christ. Let's just use Jesus Christ because everybody is aware of, of him. Um, in Hinduism, he's, he's a master of Kriya Yoga. And what he says becomes the truth. What he wills to be done is done. He saves, you know, brings people back from the dead. He walks on water. He is an example of mastering this concept of what I say, because I'm in truth, becomes reality. The difference is, though, is that they are no longer in a self-identified ego. They're a God-realized being. Like he says, I and the Father are one. He's not himself as an ego. He is God embodied acting mm -hmm. on the, um, the will of the divine. Right. And he's a good example because even in Christianity, the scriptures are riddled with hints at this that are so obvious when he says like, let not my will be done, but you know, exactly. Father's. like he's constantly saying like, if it be thy will, let this person be healed. <laughs> so love so attraction. He's, not, he's literally trying to constantly, you know, if the scriptures, if they are accurate and he did really say these things, then 100% he was giving all credit and back to God and surrendering his own ego. So law of attraction says, great, this is an awesome example of law of attraction. Look at Jesus, right? Okay, but the difference is, <laughs> is that Jesus, Babaji, Sri Yukteswar, Pramahansa, you're going to all these saints and sages, you know, Krishna, Krishna Buddha, Okay, the, Ram, Ramana Marashi, they're, they're endless. There's so many enlightened saints and they sages. They are not an time. example of law of attraction. They are an example of self realization. Mm -hmm. Okay? They're not manifesting what they want. Mm. They doesn't exist anymore. Their ego has been squashed. That's the work that law of attraction is missing. It's not about aligning your frequency. It's about self realization. It's about actually getting rid of of uh it's not getting rid of your ego desires it's about it's about ridding yourself of the subservient nature we have to our ego desires the ego can still exist you can still have a personality but the desires of the ego no longer rule you and law of attraction is teaching us to com be completely, completely subservient to them. them like everything you want get obsessed with that yeah, and then true. align your frequency to get it draw vision, okay no write dude. about it put visions of it get pictures of it it's true it actually does make you hyper fixated on your desires <laughs> the yogi saints and sages say 
I want to get rid of everything I think I want because I only want to want what God wants. Mm. And they literally, they go through the death of the ego. Mm -hmm. Jesus went through the death of the ego. Paramahansa, death of the ego. They become enlightened beings, Buddha, because they go through an ego death. Mm -hmm. They don't give a shit about what they want. That's what we're not getting. So everything they say becomes the truth because they are speaking as oneness with source. And yoga means yoke, become one with source, become one with God. Because if you're one with God, everything you say becomes the truth because I am that I am. First was the word. So law of attraction took these things and made them about the ego. And so what actually the good news is, the good news is, is that we all actually have access to the same thing Christ had access to, to the same thing Krishna had access to. It's written in every yoga text. It's written in all of the um, Hindu tradition. This manifestation, Paramahansa uses the word manifestation all the time. That's not what he meant. He meant be. He meant be God realized. Because when you are God realized, when you are, when you are manifesting God's will, everything becomes a reality because you're a vessel now for the will of the divine. So we can, at first the ego gets scared. It's like, oh no, I don't want to give up the belief of law of attraction because now I'm gonna, not going to get what I want. But actually you're going to realize that what you think you want, your higher self has no interest in. Mm-hmm. And what's in store for you is even greater than you could ever imagine if you would let that shit go. Yeah, when you cleanse the ego, it actually, you know, you let go of a lot of things that you realize, you know, you can usually look back in retrospect and be like, maybe I see now why I didn't get that. Or I see now why that didn't work out because it actually was not the best choice for me. So it's like when we cleanse our ego, it, it merges more towards you're always getting guided rather than lusting after things. It's more so just like a constant unfoldment for our best, in our best interest. You're not wanting things anymore. You're being told what you want. <laughs> God is directing your will, like Yogananda coming to the, to the West, to the, coming to the United States. That was a direct you know, inspiration from the divine. It wasn't of his own will. Yeah, Some I, of the things you don't even actually want. want. He didn't even want to do His it. ego didn't want it at all, actually, but mm-hmm. his higher self did, right? Yeah. Like, so it's us being, instead of subservient to the desires of our ego, we become subservient to the desires of God, which always have our best interest and the interest mm-hmm. of all you know, humanity involved in it. Mm-hmm. And so the, the trick of making this leap, so here's the incentive, right, is as we do this, the highest levels of joy, peace, enlightenment, freedom, true happiness, bliss, all these huge, like hugely attractive, positive energies, they all come when we surrender more and more to the divine. So they all naturally unfold, or shall we say manifest, when we surrender more and more and more to the divine. And so the the trick is about trusting that, right? So how we do this is trust, because as you can imagine, this is a pretty sketchy thing for the ego to, to do because it, you, we're literally saying to the ego, we're being like, hey, I'm not actually going to trust you anymore. I'm going to trust God. And that is terrifying to the ego because you have to remember that the ego thinks it is God and it technically refuses that it has a creator at its core. It has a hard time 
or shall we say actually an impossible time, acknowledging that something is beyond itself, that it can't comprehend because that is threatening to it. So the ego is a human mechanism that comes with part of being um, the human animal, and it's based in survival and physicality. And so the notion that there's something beyond itself that's more powerful than it is terrifying because it doesn't know if that is beneficial for it because that if it's something more powerful than it then it's its immediate response is fight or flight survival fear and so the work the inner work of of the yogic path is to work through those attachments and fears and actually the more enlightened we become what we're really doing is we're surrendering the ego and we're trusting divine love we're trusting in divinity we're trusting that our whole life is a gift, first and foremost. This is the fu funny irony when we start observing the human ego is, the irony is it doesn't trust the divine even though its very existence was already a giant gift from the divine and every positive thing you've ever experienced in your life was given to you by God and yet the ego still refuses because what the ego technically does is takes credit for all of it. And that's, that's the tricky part, is the ego technically takes credit for every good thing in your life. And one of the biggest things my teacher helps uh, word this transition as is you have to go from realizing that your ego thinks that it's actually giving you everything positive in your life and you have to switch it to say, no, 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 God and divine love has given me everything good in my life and so actually what I'm trusting is the very thing that I think uh, you know I'm, I should be afraid of I actually can trust it because it's everything I've ever wanted and ever desired mm -hmm. so going back to Ash's point it's like you're trusting in the very thing that knows the highest joy for you the highest peace for you the highest love for you your ego doesn't know crap our ego doesn't know anything it's so limited and just like Ash said too, it doesn't know the bigger picture of the connection to the infinite amount of people that your life is connected to. It doesn't know the greater humanity picture. It doesn't know you having or doing those things is going to impact uh, you know thousands of other people, millions of other people, technically all of humanity. So when we surrender that pride, we surrender that credit seeking of the ego and we say, you know what, I don't know, but I do trust that God knows and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into that. That's where the magic starts. So the switch then from law of attraction to the original manifestation is to take the focus off of what we desire and to move the focus back onto yoke, yoking with the divine, yoga. Uh, because when we're yoked with the divine, we won't want anything that isn't our destiny. Because it wouldn't be our highest truth. It joy. wouldn't be our highest truth, so you wouldn't mm. even desire it. So mm. when we're in ego and we're separate from divinity, the things we want are coming from ego, and they're, they might not necessarily have anything to do with our dharma or our destiny. They might not even be good for us. They might, they might not, not even be, They might not even be the happiest thing. So then we're in suffering because if we mm -hmm. don't get what we want, we feel punished. We mm. also might feel like we didn't align ourselves right we had we didn't have the right frequency we might shame or judge ourselves uh it might be or this person mm -hmm. i need to get this person out of my life because mm -hmm. they're toxic and their frequency blocked my manifest it's like it's Sad. all this luciferian lies okay 
How about the things that we have been desiring have been coming from our ego and not from the divine? And so the good news about relearning what true manifestation is rooted in the original Dharma, the yogic path, is that when we do the inner work of yoga, we actually cleanse ourselves of everything that's not meant for us. We cleanse ourselves of desiring things that are off the path. We don't have to endure the suffering of wanting things that are not good for us or yearning and lusting after things that aren't right for us because when we cleanse and do the inner work and we remove the layers of the not self until we're in unity with the divine, then the only thing we want is the will of the divine. And Paramahansa Yogananda says that when you're in alignment, when you're yoked with the divine, your desires and God's desires for you are one in the same, which means that there's not even a question of whether or not you're going to get the things. It's not even, it's your destiny at that point. You're only wanting what is literally destined for you. Mm-hmm. You're not being, you're not wanting anymore, actually. You're just being guided. Your, your intuition is being shown the next inevitable piece of your path. There's not, a, there's no wondering. Mm-hmm. There's no ritual, uh, you know, what's it called? Superstitious thing you have to do to even get it. Mm-hmm. It's literally your destiny and you're just being aligned with your literal destiny. Mm-hmm. So this is why, you know, Kr- Krishna, Buddha, Jesus, Yogananda, they didn't operate from a place of that superstition. They operated from a place of knowing. Mm-hmm. It was like complete faith. Like what they did, we saw as magic. Why? How is he walking on water? How is he bringing so-and-so back from the, the dead? Because they're getting driven by God. They're vessels for the divine. They're not doing things on their own will. There's no question of if this is going to work. Mm-hmm. They're literally being told to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, yeah. And it's interesting too, you know, and that's what comes to mind too, is that's why they all, all the, one of the big cities, one of those, those supernatural abilities that enlightened people and saints have access to is they see the future. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, all those people you just mentioned, they all knew when they were going to die. Mm-hmm. They all knew when they were going to leave. Um, especially Paramahansa who literally left consciously Mm -hmm. but why because he knew now's my time to go Mm -hmm. and so he consciously uh left his body there's nothing hidden anymore in the time space reality because yeah now they're just going through the motions and acting out the will of the divine it's not like it's not up for wondering yeah same with buddha i remember what just came to mind for him is you know he knew that the food he was about to eat was poisonous Mm -hmm. and he just was like it's okay i'm supposed to this is supposed to happen so there's a radical acceptance. But see, look, like, let's look at this, right? One of the biggest things, going back to Ash's original point back with, the reason why you start to be, it's almost like, there's this really fascinating thing. It's almost like this spiritual experience, this gift of being conscious, you get gifts when you are capable of handling them. Yes. So for example, you don't let any consciousness see the future. You have to, one of the things I've, I observe as I've learned the yogic path and observed the cities and they only accompany higher states of consciousness. Well, that's interesting. Why? Why is that? It's almost like 
the universe and consciousness has built into it a safeguard of you have to earn those like they have to they're given to you as gifts along the way so for example all these abilities that these yogis have had over the over since the beginning of of you know humans i guess from the first enlightened ones who have been embodying these things these gifts of healings and spontaneous uh remissions of things and you know appearing in different places being able to transcend their body you know blah, blah blah like the list could go on and on and on of all these amazing abilities that they have access to they only have access to them because they they are not in their ego so there's this really funny thing of going back to the original thing ash was saying in the beginning is these gifts are given to us as we prove like in a sense we're ready for them uh, as we are in those higher stages of consciousness we can be trusted with them in a sense. We won't use them for ego gains. Right, law of attraction people will be like, great, I'm going to manifest a mansion Yes, now. <laughs> exactly. So you don't get access to these until you're actually ready for them because otherwise you might just go around fulfilling your ego. And so there's kind of a fun thing to observe is like there's these higher states of, of this human plane that we do have access to, but they only come from when drum roll please we surrender the ego and so then, they come as a side effect not as a goal and then you you look at what it's being said it is where you're just saying like align your frequency to be in a higher theme of consciousness law of attraction says align your frequency to be a higher frequency so that you can get what you want <laughs> like it's right. just interesting and i just want to say one last thing as we're you know wrapping this talk up is that it's also interesting to notice the aversion to anything that's not pleasant with law of attraction which is like not 100 yoga is about transcending pleasure and pain it's just mm -hmm. it's all the same right there we don't know what is good and what is bad right mm, nice. i love that story of uh the chinese proverb of the the father has a son who gets drafted for war and the neighbors all say, oh, so sad. And he says, oh, we'll see. And then the, the son goes to war and uh, breaks his leg and gets sent back home. And they say, oh, what a blessing. And he says, oh, we'll see. And the story goes on and on with these uh, little events that happen that you would deem good or you would deem bad. And it ends up being the opposite. And... We don't know what's good or bad, but law of attraction says it does. It's like, that's bad, that's good. So that's negative, that's negative frequency or attracting Stay negative away. frequency. But then you really look at it, and if you really look at the saints and sages like Jesus Christ getting nailed on a cross, they would say, oh, that's bad. And then we say, we'll see. And then he gets resurrected, you know, and it's like, is it bad? Was he a negative frequency? Was he in a negative frequency and that's why he attracted getting nailed on a cross? Was he in low vibes? Like, no, this, this shit is ridiculous, honestly. If you really look <laughs> at it and you look at the, the, the greats of all time, like the saints and sages throughout time, th that would be absurd to Buddha to say. ate poisonous food because his oh, low frequency so accidentally so attracted low vibe. it. What a, what, oh man, he was not on point. He needed to watch his vibe. Like, come it's on. Just, it's bullshit. It's, it's just so, so absurd. So I hope, like, I guess... Me and Matt are just, we're kind of over this. I think we're over it because we just see so many people getting conned 
and like mm-hmm. lied to and wrapped up in this stuff. And it's not the truth. And and it totally traps you. It makes you feel like you're wrong if you have a bad emotion. It gets you totally spun up and obsessed with your ego desires, which which keep you from the greater joys of self-realization, where, mm-hmm. where actually you're free of all that, mm-hmm. which is so much better. Yeah, it's, here's a good incentive way to put it, is it's actually way more liberating to trust than to have to force. Yeah. Right. Those are two drastically different energies. So the ego is always trying to force things. And the, the truth of spiritual truth is always trying to surrender into things. So here's the solution. Do your practice. Do your practice and devote your life to uniting your life with the will of the divine. Because you can't go wrong. You really can't. It's like you're trusting the most... You're trusting the very source of your existence, which already has proven its love for you because otherwise you wouldn't exist. It's really that simple. It's like it's like having this beautiful relationship where you realize everything beautiful and beneficial in your life has come from this thing, this source, this mysterious love, divine, whatever that is for you. So you literally have nothing to fear. Then you'll know what's put in your heart is meant for you. Mm-hmm. And there won't be superstition mm-hmm. about whether or not it's going to come or if you have to attract it because you'll say it's literally the will of the divine. It can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. It also safeguards you against when things aren't going your way. So going back to Ash's example of like, let's say with Jesus, he is going through all this persecution and pain. He doesn't think something's wrong with him. He just thinks wow, interesting, I trust you, this must be what I need to go through. And then from the Christian perspective, we know he literally had to do that. Uh, if we were to run with the topic of the atonement and, and being the guru who came to take all the sins of, the, of a, a, a planet, then he literally, that was the whole point of why he came. So who is our ego to say, oh, this should or shouldn't be happening when he's like, no, this is literally what I'm here to do. Yeah, he who had that moment too yeah. of, of saying, I don't really want to go through this. My yeah, the, ego the, does not. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak is basically saying yeah. like, my ego is resisting this, but, but, if it be but, I, will. but I know I need to do it. Yeah. And so there's so many things in our own life. We can have that level of, calm confidence and trust and and peace right peace in the face of discomfort that's the real blessing and gift of the higher path which is to have peace and discomfort everybody can be happy in pleasure everybody that's easy the ego is always satisfied in pleasure but you put yourself in a place of discomfort and imagine having peace then and the only way we can have that is by having trust and faith Trust and faith that everything's always working out in our greatest benefit, that everything is always aligned and guided for us in the highest love and joy, that everything is always leading us to our highest wisdom and maturity, that everything is always, always, always in our best interest, Mm. even times of discomfort. What greater peace can we want to enjoy? And so that's the huge clarification between these two. I just want to really make sure, you know, the law of attraction, like we said, it has a time and a place, but it but very beware. but beware it very quickly needs to be moved on from yeah. or else it will turn into a pitfall and it will cause suffering. And our goal is to try to help uh, alleviate that suffering by being like, hey, just so you know, eventually you want to shed that and keep cruising. Yep. 
we got our guru's photos here on the wall and sometimes I just look over at them and check in, you know? You can see a little twinkle in their eyes. They're all smiling right now. <laughs> They're like, yeah. <laughs> all right, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, from our heart to yours, namaste. Namaste. Namaste.